Well, it's great to be back in church tonight. Don't you love the Bible? I love the Bible. I thank God so many times, so often even in my devotional time, I'll just say, God, thank you for simple things like my capacity to be able to read the Bible. I don't want to take that for granted and be able to uh, understand not all of it, but portions of it. How many of you know that each time you read it, you ever have this experience? You go back and read it, and you think that you've about seen everything that is in the Bible, even though that maybe you've read it numerous times, and then all of a sudden you see something that you've never seen before. And so I'm thankful that God gives me somewhat of a capacity to be able to understand it. The parts of the Bible we don't understand, uh, we'll understand one day. I encourage you to read all of the Bible. I mentioned this to a group of people I was speaking to not long ago. Read all of the Bible because you don't want to get to heaven and have one of the minor prophets come up to you and say, hey, by the way, did you read my book? And you say, no, I, I never read your book. You want to be able to tell them, yeah, I read your book. Great book. Great job. You did a wonderful job on your book. You want to say, yeah, I read it. So uh, you read it. And I love to be able to teach the Bible, and I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's going to be practical. I think it's going to be helpful to you. You may want to write down some of the verses. Uh, it's not that I'm going to take a long time doing it, but I'm going to have several verses that are going to pop up on the screen. The guys certainly are going to be helping with that, obviously. And there's going to be a verse or two that maybe is going to jump out at you, and you're going to say, that is for me, based on where I'm at currently in my life. This is the verse or verses that God has for me that he wants me to take and apply to my life. Now, I trust that you are seriously devoted to growing in your relationship with God and spiritual growth and formation and maturation in your walking relationship with God. Having said that, do you remember the time when you really started getting serious about your education, about academics? Do you, do you remember that time? And some of you are saying, no, nope, don't remember that time because it never happened. Uh, but maybe you do. Maybe you just say, I remember a time. I've got a friend that uh, he was really trying to motivate. He had his kids who were at that time. This has been several years ago. His kids were in high school, and their grades were not really measuring up to where my friend thought his kids' grades should be. So in order to teach them a very valuable lesson, he made a determination. His name is Bill. Bill told me this. He said, Jeff, I was going to motivate my kids to study I wanted them to know how serious that studying was. And he said, so I went back to the high school uh, where I went many, many years prior to. I asked for it and received a copy of my transcript because I was going to give a copy of my transcript to my kids to motivate them to study. And then he said, my kids never saw that transcript <laughs> because my grades were worse than what well, their grades were. I can remember our oldest son, Brent, um, he graduated from George Jenkins High School. After that, he had an opportunity, and we thank God for it, to play four years of college baseball, a very good baseball player. But when he first started his sort of collegiate career, he was not, and we've talked about it several times since, and now we can laugh. I wasn't laughing a whole lot at the time. But now we can laugh about it because his first two years of college, he, um, he, he majored in baseball in his social life. Academics was an afterthought. In fact, I can remember the day I said to him, I said, Brent, I am so proud of your current GPA of 4.0 because when you compare, when you add up three of your baseball buddies, all four of y'all, it is a cumulative 4.0 among the four of you. So I'm like, and, but for him, it was funny, you know, no matter what we said, no matter how we tried to motivate him, it had to kick in for him 
And so he got motivated about his junior year. I don't know how he did it, except for the grace of God, but he, he brought his GPA way up. And I'm like, how can you bring it from the cellar all the way here? And, and again, he got serious about academics. And I wonder at time, the reason I mention this, I wonder at time how serious we are about devoting ourselves to spiritual growth and reading God's Word and taking God's Word and applying God's Word uh, to our life. It's more than just reading it. And uh, tonight, I want to just ask you as we just walk through some things together that I think is going to be practical and I trust helpful, I I want you to just say, God, how can I take and not just sit in another service, which is easy for any of us to do, and hear yet another message because we've all heard a lot of messages over the years. I've been in church practically my whole life. But God, how can I more and more when I hear messages in the future, when I read the Bible in the future, how can I become more and more committed to and devoted to a spiritual growth and really becoming all that you intended for me to be? And so I want to talk to you out of the Proverbs uh, tonight, just take you to a couple of different Proverbs, and I want to show you some things that are here that I think um, God is going to use to just motivate us and compel us, really maybe reorient some of our thinking uh, in some regard. Uh, Proverbs, uh, we've all read them probably by now, especially if you grew up in church and you've heard it said, I've heard it, heard it said that it would be a wonderful thing uh, if you and I would read one proverb every day. Have you ever heard that stated? Uh, I tell people all the time if they're a new Christian, hey, don't start in Genesis. Nothing wrong with Genesis, obviously, but don't start there. And don't even start. You've heard me say this before. Don't even start in Matthew. Start in the Gospel of John and read John, and by the time you get to the end of John, you will so fall in love with Jesus, it will compel you to want to read the rest of the Bible. And I think many times, what would it have been like had you and I sort of started out on our spiritual journey that way where we just said, you know what, every day or most every day, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to start in the Gospels, and I'm going to read the Proverbs, the wisdom that God has for us in His Word. So I want us to take a couple of these Proverbs tonight, and maybe you'll jot some of the ones down that, uh, some of the verses down that speak to you, and then we'll build on it. So let's take a look at the first one here. The guys are going to put it up on the screen, and I want you to look at these uh, two verses with me. All right, here it is. Do not, what's this key word? Envy. Thank you, all 42.6% of you. Let's try it again. Uh, Do not, that's so much better, do not envy sinners in your heart. You say, I'd never do that. Oh, boy. Hold on. We'll come back to that. Do not envy sinners in your heart. Instead, continue to fear the Lord. There is indeed, look at this word, a future and your, what's this word? Hope. And your hope will never be cut off. And so this is an incredible, I believe, um, uh, verse. Uh, And if we're not careful, though, we can easily skip over what I think are three key words, and you see them highlighted there, envy, future, and hope. And let's talk about that for just a moment. Here's the A part of the verse again. It's not on the screen, but let me just read it this time. It's just the beginning of the verse, the A part of the verse. Don't envy sinners. And if you'd say, well, I would, I would never do that, well, then you're way better off than I am. Because I think at times, if we're not careful, that can actually happen. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by this. And we'd say, you know, I'll rule that out. You know, I would never, ever envy anything 
uh, in regards to sinners. But, you know, before you declare that has never happened, never will happen to me, let me just ask you a couple of questions in this regard. Have you ever looked at the life of somebody, and we're not going to, you know, you're not going to raise your hand and nod or, you know, wink or, you know, nudge somebody next to you, but have you ever had this experience where you looked at somebody that was far from God and you thought to yourself, even if it was a momentary thought, why am I experiencing this financial challenge in my life? Why am I going through this? Why am I faced with this challenge? Why am I having difficulty paying my bills? Why does that, there not seem to be ample provision in my life or in my family right now? And then we, we give the reasons why we think that ought not be. We say, well, I love God. I love God. I shouldn't be walking through this challenge financially. I love God. I love God. I love His Word. I read my Bible. I pray consistently. I give, as we were talking about a few moments ago, I give a full tithe back to the Lord right off of the top. The very first bit of giving that I give is the tithe to the Lord before I spend anything else. And, uh, and so we've got that going on in our mind, then why am I experiencing this financial challenge? And if we're not careful, the enemy can begin to whisper to us, and we can look around, and if we're not careful again, we can look at people that are not acknowledging God at all, and we can say, all right, God, here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to be faithful, but there does not seem to be ample provision right now in my home, in my family, or my business. We're really struggling financially, and how can it be? that somebody that is far from you would not even acknowledge you seems to be so blessed. Look at their home. Look at their expensive cars. Look at these costly, exotic vacations that they're able to be a part of. And God would come along and he'd say, be careful, be careful, be careful. Don't envy sinners, right? Well, if you said, well, that has never happened to me, nothing even close to that, I would never do that. All right, again, you may be better than I am, but have you ever thought this? Especially maybe when you were just starting out in your spiritual walk, maybe you were a baby Christian, and you've said something like this, why is it that I have to live this straight-laced kind of life? I can't do whatever. Now, this is how long I've been around church, and this is sort of my church background, uh, and again, I'm exaggerating, but as a kid and as a teenager, it felt this way. It wasn't this way, so I embellish it somewhat, but it felt like to me growing up in the church tradition that I did that anything that reeked of fun had to be sinful, therefore I could not participate in it. How many of you that, that resonate? Any of you have that kind of background? If it's fun, there's something wrong with it, therefore I can't participate in it. And so maybe we said, well, look at them. They're having all the fun. They do whatever they want, and there seems to be no apparent consequences. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. A lot of people have. To which God would say, don't envy sinners. Have you ever thought this? Why do I need? And don't raise, please, don't raise your hand on this one. Have you ever thought, even if it was momentary, why do I need to be in church every weekend? We're more prone to say this. I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not. We're more, more prone to say this on Sunday mornings when we're driving to church, and it seems that every other vehicle is pulling a boat headed toward the beach. 
It is amazing to me as I get up to go to church every week, how many vehicles are pulling boats, and it sort of prompts me. I don't do this. I don't do this. Even when I think I want to do it, I don't. I'm like, God, when they get that boat, you know, it's Sunday morning, and, and when they get that boat over to the beach, it's Sunday morning. Forgive me for even say this, but I'm just, you know, got to be transparent. God, this is Sunday morning. They ought to be in your house, and they're pulling the boat over to the beach. Lord, I don't think their motor ought to start. You know, when they put it in the water and they're getting ready, everybody's loaded up, the picnic basket is in the boat. Lord, it just seems that it would be right that the engine, the motor, would not even start in the boat. Hey, God, cut me a little slack on this one. And yet the wisdom of the Bible speaks clearly to this. In fact, the Scriptures would teach that we should not envy anybody for any reason. Would you agree with that? And the Scriptures would say that we shouldn't envy sinners. Let me, let me show you a couple of verses right here, two or three verses. Look at this one right here. We'll breeze through them. Do not envy, do not envy a violent person. Do not choose any of his ways. Look at this next one. A heart at peace. This is such a powerful verse. This is one you're going to want to mark down somewhere and hold on to it. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots to the bones. It's not a good thing to envy. One more. Look at this one right here. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, I'm not going to get into it tonight, but there was a time in the Bible when, um, you know, a person, you know, how many of you have already discovered when you read the Bible, the people that are in the Bible, the most pronounced characters are in the Bible are not perfect people. It's like God leaves people in the Bible with all of their imperfections so that you and I can say there's still hope for me. And one time, uh, this person, this very notable person in the Bible, it was in the Old Testament, is just sort of going off on this. God, I look around and I'm doing all the right things for all the right reasons. I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to be faithful to you. I'm trying to be devoted to you. I'm trying to do all the right things. And I'm faced with this adversity. I'm experiencing these calamities. This is not going right in my life and just sort of envy and just pointing out the prosperity of the wicked to which God would say, be careful that you don't have your mind moving in the wrong direction because this is what God says. Don't ever forget. And it's not that God was relishing in that because God loves everybody, but God was saying this, response back from God to this person, just sort of going off on it, said don't ever forget that evil people, have, this is the language of the Bible, have their feet on a slippery slope. And so the moment that you think that you may want to envy because, you know, I'm doing this, and yet look at that, and God would just say, hey, don't envy sinners. And I think a huge part of the problem for many of us at times is that we live for, truth be told, we live for now rather than for the future. At times, our spiritual immaturity causes us to be much like a child which repeatedly asks, and if you have grandkids or you have kids and you've ever been on a long trip with kids in the back seat, what is the thing that they say repeatedly again and again and again, the question that they ask, when are we going to, and they ask it again and again. And I think sometimes, spiritually speaking, we do the same thing. A child cannot adequately process that you have to take a journey before you reach your destination. And let me say that for us, that it would equally be true. You and I must remember that we have not reached our destination. We are on a journey. This is not the final chapter. This is not the final stage for our life. But what do we often do? Our minds become so riveted 
to what is happening, and all of us can fall prey to this, our minds become riveted to what is happening now, right now, that we have difficulty grasping as it relates to this world that we are just passing through. And we have to do it. We have to pass uh, through it to reach the future promise that God has for all Christ followers. But a lot of times in the middle of the journey, isn't it true that we forget our destination? How many of you have also discovered this? At points on the journey, things can get difficult at times. Things are not always easy at times. How many of you have already figured out your life has not turned out to be a perfect life? I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about a struggle that they had, and I just sort of brought up because I felt like it would be encouraging to just sort of say, hey, I, I get this because, you know, some time ago in my own life. And I said, here's, here's a problem. Uh, here's the problem with life. It's life. And it's not going to be, nothing's going to be perfect. I mean, if everything was perfect on earth, we would not appreciate how heaven is going to be. And life is tough at times. And the journey is tough at times. And because we're living in the midst of the journey, it's hard to see our destination. I can remember a number of years ago, uh, our youngest son, Drew. Drew was nine years old at the time, and he and I were traveling. I, I figured nine years old, it's time to have a, you know, a third world experience. You know, you need to see a part of the world. I wanted to appreciate the blessings of his life, so we were going to meet up with a team uh, down in a, a very, very poor uh, country. And so he and I flew down together, and, um, you know, it was a great experience for him. He saw things that he had never seen uh, before in his life. He came to appreciate, you know, when he saw the way a lot of the world lives. And I, I can remember the journey and trying to prepare him for this. And, you know, you know how it is. You get to the airport and you wait and you, you wait and you wait and you make the flight and you have a connecting flight. And then if you're traveling internationally, you got to go through customs. Now, I can, I can remember one of the first times I made an international trip and I was just trying to get some coaching from a missionary about international customs. And I just, you know, I was hitting them with a few questions. I said, what about this? What if, you know, in like customs and, you know, I'm being communicating to us, just trying to think ahead, plan ahead. Uh, what if, I, what if I don't understand the language and they're asking questions and somehow I derived out of our conversation that if I don't understand what is being asked of me to just, to just smile and be polite and nod. And I can remember doing this the very first trip in customs, and I'm like, okay, we just want to get through customs, just want to get through customs, just want to get through customs. And this particular time I had Drew with me, and uh, I just remembered, you know, what I needed, what I'd heard from a missionary years ago. And it was one of the times that they just decided that my luggage would be the luggage that they would pilfer through for a long, long time. And I'm like, I'm feeling frustrated by it because we got to move, we got to meet the party if we're going to get left behind, that kind of. So I've got all of that going through my mind. And then, you know, as they're going through my things, they start asking me questions. Now I'm, I'm feeling just, how many, you can feel a little bit of nervousness in that moment. You know, they're, they're going and they're asking questions. I'm in another country, I'm not at home. And then I just remember what the missionary said. If you don't understand, just, just smile and nod. And I just looked. I didn't understand a thing. I just started saying... Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And then I thought about it afterwards. What if they had been saying, hey, are, are you know, a visitor in our country? Yes. Are you bringing drugs into our country? Yes. <laughs> Lots of drugs? Yes. <laughs> Lots. And that, that's how I felt. And a lot of times, 
because we're in the middle of the journey, and sometimes the frustration and lack of patience on the journey, we get frustrated with the journey, and we forget the destination, what God has for us. See, sometimes when you and I are going through a tough season in our life, that's all we can see, and we cannot look beyond where we're currently at. I love this statement. A writer says it, a book I read a number of years ago, listen to it. It says, the choice everyone faces is the choice between hope and despair. And then they raise some valuable questions. Will you keep going when you don't know why? How many of you know that's a legitimate question? Will you keep? I mean, do we trust God enough? I mean, do we believe that God is with us, not just going to meet us at the destination, but God is with us every step of the journey, that we'll keep going when we don't know why? raises another question. When you can't get any answers that would make the pain go away, will you still say, my Lord, even though his ways are not clear to you? Will you keep going with all the grace and grit and faith you can muster and live in hope that one day God will set everything right? Will you trust that God is good? Will you trust that God is good? Will you trust that he is good? That even when you're in the middle of the journey and things are not going well, would you just say, here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to trust in you. And this is what I know. In a gathering like this, there are those of you that are you're going through some tough spots, some rough patches in the journey. I, I doubt, you know, just sort of looking across our church family right now, those of you that are in the balcony, that everything is going wonderful in your life right now. I mean, if you just sort of went down, just sort of ticked down the direction of uh, financially and in your health and in your relationships and at work and where you're going and in your emotions, is everything perfect? Probably not. There's challenges that we face. We face challenges with health, or it's a challenge in our career, or a challenge with finances. And obviously, it's part of the journey for now. But one of the things we've got to keep in mind, that it's not our ultimate destination. How many of you know that? And when we look around and we say, well, God, I, I, I don't understand why. Why is this? Now, none of this made sense. Have you, have you noticed this? None of this made sense when everything is going great in our lives. Have you ever had this experience that something can be growing great in your life one day and the very next day it can feel like your world is turned upside down? And as long as everything is great, wonderful, we don't have those questions. But in the middle of the journey when things are not going well, we may have the tendency, tendency to think, God, why? I'm being faithful here. I'm doing this here. I'm trying to be committed to you and devoted to you. God, why does it seem? And again, God brings us back to this reality of trust. In fact, I mentioned to you, and you know this already, that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And take a look at a couple of verses here, what it says. So good. Wisdom is like honey for your life. You get wisdom it's like honey for your life. And here's something, and I don't know who needs this tonight, but some of you just being here tonight, if you just saw the second part of this one verse here, Proverbs 24, 14, it would be exactly what God is trying to communicate to you tonight. If you find it, find what? Find what? Find wisdom. If you find wisdom, your future is bright. Listen, no matter how painful the journey may be, no matter what you're going through right now in your life, if you look and say, well, this is going on in my kids and, you know, my kids and it's just driving me. I'm so worried about my kids or I've just got this report or, you know, this is going on at work and I don't know what is going to lead to or, you know, I'm, I'm having some things going on in my body or you, there's a relationship that seems fragmented. And God would just say, listen, 
I'm all a part of the journey, but I give you hope because I'm with you every step of the way. And the journey is the journey, but the journey, how many of you know this, is not the destination. Look at this next verse. Here's another great one. Let us hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed because we can do what? Say these two words with me, everybody. We can do what? We can trust God. We can trust God. No matter what we're, we can trust God to do what God has promised. We can trust God to do what God has promised. I really like what Matt Lucado has written. You're going to see it here on the screen. He writes this, hope is not a granted wish or a favor performed. No, it is far greater than that. It is a zany, unpredictable dependence on a God who loves to surprise us out of our thoughts and be there in the flesh to see our reaction. The journey's not always easy. Would you agree? But the journey is not our destination. It's the journey. And God says, you can trust me. You can depend on me. And even when things just seems to be in total upheaval, just know I'm with you every step of the way. And God would say, don't envy. Don't envy sinners. Don't look at their life and say, well, God, I'm doing this. And why are they so blessed? God, I'm doing this. God says, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't envy somebody else's life. Don't envy. And how many of you know that's part of the wisdom of the Proverbs? Don't envy somebody else's life. Don't envy somebody else's circumstances. You are you. You are not somebody else. Your journey is not somebody else's journey. Their journey is not your journey. But God's with you every step of the way, and you can trust God because God gives us a reason to be hopeful. Do you agree with that? Amen. All right, we've got time. Let's look at another proverb, and we'll, we'll talk about this one a little bit before we're done. All right, here it is. It's a totally separate proverb. We're going to talk about it. If we would read one of these a day, it would be so helpful to our life and spiritual growth. Here it is. Worry weighs a person down. How many of you would agree? This is one we can weigh. Do you agree? Worry weighs a person down. And then we see a contrast here, and we'll talk about it. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. It's just a contrast, isn't it? What does worry do? Weighs a person down. What does encouragement does? It builds somebody up. Worry's a bad deal, isn't it? How many of you have already discovered that? Worry, and we talked about that not too long ago in a Sunday morning service, so I'm not going to camp out here long, but I would just simply ask you, what is it that is causing you to worry? What is it that is causing you to worry? And some of you would say, well, I know why I worry. I worry because my mother worried, and her mother worried, and her mother worried. I just come from a long line of worriers. It's just in my DNA. It's just what I do. And... Uh, again, I'll just, I'll just mention this. You ever, have, you ever have those moments, and it's sort of the, the contrast. It's not congruent with what we were saying earlier. It's like things. Have you ever had this experience, all right, where things are going so good in your life for a while, you're like worried that something bad's going to crop up out of nowhere. You ever had that experience? Things are just too good. Things are just way too good. I know right around the corner, somewhere, somehow, and we start, uh, even when we don't. Have you ever done this? Be honest. Maybe it would just encourage me because I've done this. Have you ever worried if you've gone a while and you've had nothing worry to worry about and you're like, it can't be this good. Something's got to be hiding right around the corner. Have you ever done this? But worry, we see it. The wisdom writer says we need to get away from worry. Why? Because worry will weigh us down. So what is it that causes us to worry? 
I want to deal with this verse in, in two parts because in reality, that's how it's written. So first of all, let's take just a moment to focus on the worry portion uh, right here. The, the wisdom writer of Proverbs tells us that if we hold on to worry, it will actually weigh us down. It will weigh us down. The longer we hang on to it, the more it will weigh us down. Um, I like going to the gym. It's just the way that I'm wired up. It's just, I've done it for so long. It just feels like second nature. And there's a certain routine that I have, you know, three days I'm going to do cardio, three days I'm going to do weights, three days. And so I'm back and forth. And I just think about all the different exercises I've done over the years. And while I was working on this, this message, I, I started thinking about some of the things that I've dreaded the most about working out. One of the things that I've dreaded the most, a lot of you have done this at some point in working out, is what is called dumbbell lunges. If you don't if you don't know what it is, look it up sometimes, and I'll tell you, Jesus didn't come up with it. He just didn't. There's no way. Dumbbell lunges. And this is what I, I was thinking about in regards to what we're talking about tonight. What I don't like about dumbbell lunges, and you can check it out. You can see it. I'm not going to demo it, obviously, but you got, you know, you got heavy weights, and you sort of, you know, like step out, go down, and you're trying. And here's what I discovered. The heavier the weight, the harder it is to stand back up. You get heavy, heavier weights, heavier the dumbbells are. That's part of the exercise you want to increase. Heavier the weight, the harder it is to get back up. But can I just say something? Isn't that exactly how worry is? The heavier it is, the harder it is to get back up. Isn't that true? The heavier that it is, the harder that it is to get back up. So I ask you tonight... At the present time, what is it that has you so worried? Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. What is it that has me worried? What is it that is weighing you down? And then I've got to ask a follow-up question. Is it doing any good to worry about it? What is it that you're worried about? And I, I can talk about this because not as much now, but time in my life, I was like the ultimate worry ward. I just, I just was. So this is something that I'm like, been there, been there, done that, not as much again in, in this time. But just saying, all right, God, I'm so worried about this. But is the worrying that I'm doing about this doing me any good? And the reality is it is not. All I'm doing when I worry, all you're doing when you're worrying is adding weight to an already existing situation. Let's see what God has to say about this. Look at these verses up on the screen. Here we go. We know this, Matthew 6, you cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. That's like a classic verse on worry, isn't it? So would you help me? Let's all read this one. I read it the first time. Let's all read it together now. Help me out. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. Now, how many of you know, having just saw that, and that's not the first time that most of you have seen that, how many of you know the exact opposite of that is true? That by worrying, you're not only going to not add time to your life, how many of you know if you worry enough, you may take some time off of your life? How many of you know that's true? And some of you are saying, now I'm worried about that. Wish I'd never seen the verse. Now you've given me something else to worry about. Worrying's not going to add anything to our life. Here's another one. Check this out. You know this one. Philippians, don't worry about anything. And how many of you have ever been tempted to say, right, Paul, that's easy for you to say. 
Don't worry about anything. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about it. I love the way the language is here. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and request to God. Here's another classic verse. I love this one. I've used it so many times in the past personally and in trying to encourage others. Look at this one right up here. Give all, all your what? Got any worries? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Have you ever done this? I know I have. Have you ever said, all right, all right, I'm motivated to do it. I'm tired of worrying. I don't want to worry anymore. It's driving me crazy. It's like, you know, I'm just living with this tension, with this angst all the time. It just makes me feel almost emotionally paralyzed. I can't function the way that I want to function. So here, you feel this motivation to give it. Have you ever done this? To give it over to God and you say, here it is, God. Maybe it happened at like the end of a church service, maybe here around the altar. You say, all right, God, I'm tired about worrying. I'm tired of worrying about this, so I'm going to take this, and I'm going to give it over to you, and we give it over to God. But just before we leave the sanctuary, we take it right back. All right, God, you've held it long enough. I think I'll take this back home with me again. Give all your worries and all your cares to God because God cares about us. John Orberg has said this. Look at it up here on the screen. When you live in fear, when you live in fear, the power of the what if becomes overwhelming. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What becomes overwhelming? And you will go through life without joy. This very important statement. Joy and fear are fundamentally incompatible. How many of you know that? I've never seen a person that's weighted down. Remember, that's what worry does. Worry will weight us down. I've never seen somebody that was weighted down with, with worry and fear and anxiety and at the same time a joyful person. Isn't what he said true? Worry and fear are fundamentally incompatible. Well, we're going to run out of time, so I want to go to the second part of Proverbs 12, 25, before we wrap this up. And I love this person, this, this portion of the verse. Remember what it says earlier? Worry weighs a person down. What is it that cheers a person up? An encouraging word. An encouraging word. See, worry is what happens to me. Encouragement ought to be what flows from me. Does that make sense? Worry is what happens. It's sort of the weight of things. And I just start carrying around, and it gets heavier and heavier. And I'm not giving it to God, and I'm carrying it around on myself, which God never intended that I would do that. And he wants me to give it, as we just saw, over to God. Take all of our fears, worries, anxieties, cares, give it over to God. Because God, and we just keep holding on to it. Worry is what happens to us. Encouragement is what flows from us. Now, how many of you know that there is enough criticism in the world? Isn't that true? If you're looking for criticism, if you just say, I'm just on a quest for criticism, you won't have to look very long. You'll find it quickly. There's a lot of criticism in the world, right? There's a lot of critical people in the world, if we're just being quite honest about that. Now, any of you remember from school, uh, Aesop, Aesop fables? You remember studying those at all? Aesop, here's one. Old Aesop's fable was about this. As I mentioned it, some of you, this will come back to you. This particular fable was about an old man, and I'll just read it as it is, about an old man and his grandson who made their way into town with a donkey. The grandfather put the boy on the donkey until he heard people say, look at that selfish child making that old man walk. The grandfather couldn't stand to have people criticize his grandson, so he asked the boy to walk while he rode. Then he heard people say, look at that selfish old man riding and making that poor little boy walk. 
So he got off and they both walked. Criticism. Then he heard people say, look at those stupid people. They've got a donkey and they're not even using it. So both the man and the boy rode the donkey together. Then they heard people say, look at those cruel people abusing that poor animal. They're going to break his back with that load. And I love the last part of this fable. It reads like this. So they finally walked into town carrying the donkey. <laughs> you just can't please all the people all of the time. Take a look at two more verses before we wrap this up. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as, in fact, you're doing. You know, I wondered, and I know this is a stretch, but I've, I've wondered, what would it be like if every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night when we come to church, that we were, you know, we certainly wanted to receive what God had for us. That's part of being, you know, on vibrant worship service. What is God saying? What is God doing in my life? But if we just came with another intention that every time we gather together, we were going to try to find somebody that needed some encouragement, and before we left the campus, we would just bring some encouragement to somebody. That ought to be the functionality of the body of Christ. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up. Encourage each other. Here's another verse that speaks to that. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Can I just tell you tonight? There are people who are in close proximity to you and to me that we don't even know what they're going through. And God could be wanting to use us to bring a word of encouragement to them. A word of encouragement. Have you ever had in a, in a tough moment of your life, have you ever had somebody walk up to you and bring to you an encouraging word? If you had that happen, sure you have. And you know how that feels. What if we were to start coming with the attitude that we're, that's what we're going to bring to church with us? We're going to bring to church with us the opportunity to find somebody that needs an encouraging word, and we're going to share it. Maybe that's what you need tonight. Maybe you need encouragement. You're just saying, God, I'm walking through a tough time. I've got this challenge going on in my life, but I believe that you're with me, and I believe that you're going to help me. And then out of your own experience, you would say, God, I'm not the only person. How many of you know it feels like that? Have you ever had this experience when you're going through a particular thing? How many of you know the evil one will make us always feel that we're the only one going through that? We're the only one. It's like this never happened to anybody else in the whole history of the universe, but it's going through, nobody else has ever had that experience. Do you know it's not, it's not that God has caused negativism to occur in our life. But how many of you know that out of some of the most negative trying circumstances, God ultimately for his good and for the encouragement of others will use our own experiences. God didn't cause it, but we had an experience. And out of our experience, God uses us to encourage somebody else. See, there's so many different areas I couldn't encourage you because I've not had your experience. I've got a new appreciation for people that have lost their parents. You know the story. I'll not rehash it. Within a period of about four months, I lost my mom at the age of 70 and my dad at the age of 72. And, and you know, I would say to people all the time, I'm so sorry for your loss. But now when somebody loses their mom, man, I've got a whole different outlook on that. 
when somebody loses their dad, I've got a whole different experience because I understand it now and I can encourage people. And maybe you would look at your life, it may be a negative experience that you've had in your life, and you'd say, God, I know, I know, I know, I know that you didn't cause this, but perhaps you're going to use it so that out of my own, that's Bible, by the way, out of our own experiences, God uses us to bring encouragement to somebody else. So maybe with new eyes, a clear lens, we would look around and ask God to help us to discern people that need encouragement, and we will bring to them an encouraging word. Worry weighs a person down. Encouragement can lift somebody up. Wouldn't it be amazing if God would use you, you and me more and more to bring an encouraging word to others? Let's stand for a closing prayer. God, thank you so much that we can take our worries, our anxieties, our fears, and that we can turn them over to you right now. God, there are people in this place tonight they are worried about something going on in their family. There are people that are in the service tonight they are worried about how they're going to pay that bill. Where is that money coming from? There's people that are in this place tonight that are worried because they've had a recall at the doctor's office and they've got to go back and they're not sure what they're going to hear. There's people that are worried, God, because there's a relationship that has them very, very concerned. And God, I just pray that you would let them know that you're with us, not just at our destination point, but you're with us every step of the journey. And you're with these that are struggling tonight. And we thank you that we can take our worries, our fears, and our anxieties, all of our cares, and we can turn them over to you because you care about us. If you're here tonight and you're just walking through something that has you filled with some anxiety, something that has you filled with some worry, and you just want special prayer before we're done, would you just lift up your hand right now real high, just put it up and say, wow, this has me worried. This has me concerned. I'm anxious about this. How many of you, even while we were talking tonight, you'd say, you know what, I've come out of a tough time in my life, and when I was going through a tough time, I didn't even understand what was going on. I, looking back, know that God is with me, but now I see that out of my own experience, God wants to use me to encourage people that are walking through similar battles. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? And by lifting your hand, you're saying, you know what, I'm available. God, I'm available. I am available to bring an encouraging word. I'm available to help people. And I'm going to start looking, God. I'm going to start looking around. I'm going to try to have sensitivity. I'm going to try to have a heightened discernment so that I can encourage people and bring them some hope with your help. So, God, you know our hearts. You know our minds. And here we are. And, God, we're thankful that you're with us. And I pray for every person here tonight that just says, God, I'm, I'm concerned about this. I'm worried about this. I have some inner turmoil. I have some anxiety because I don't know. I'm going through the what if. What if this happens? What if this turns out this way? And I just pray that you would calm their fears even tonight. I pray that you would bring to them a peace that passes all understanding. And for all of us, God, maybe from this point forward, we would say, I'm not just coming to church to receive something, although I know that's going to happen. In worship, I'm going to receive. In the ministry of the Word, I'm going to receive. But God, I'm bringing something to church with me. I'm going to bring a heart and a mind that's open. 
and an opportunity to encourage somebody. And maybe you'll do that even before you leave this place tonight. So God, we thank you for it. We're going to sing for just a couple of moments, and then I'll come back and give the benediction. But if you have a special need, maybe you just want somebody to agree with you. Maybe you want to be anointed with oil because you need healing in your body. Maybe you're fearful or anxious about something, and you just want somebody to pray with you. We're going to take just a moment. The altars are open. You can come. Then we'll come back and have a final prayer. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way. going to go ahead and have the concluding prayer to this service, but we're still going to be hanging around the front, so maybe if you knew you should have come down, be prayed for, and you didn't, uh, before you leave, I just encourage you, maybe God has something special and wonderful and unique that He wants to do in your life, so we just encourage you. We'll be hanging out here. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your dependability. Thank you for our church family that we can gather together and worship your name, celebrate your goodness. 
Thank you that you bring us together. And just like your word says, that we can encourage one another and all the more as we see the Lord's day coming. God, I just pray that you'll be with your people this week. And thank you, God, that your hand is upon our life, leading and guiding, encouraging every step of the way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Love you, everybody. Have an awesome week. We'll see you on Sunday. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my you